0: Uh, w- one of the things you deal with when you're a pastor, uh, and I think pretty much every pastor deals with this to some extent, some more than others, is people coming into the church asking for money and uh, asking for cash for things. Uh, I, uh, uh, when I was starting out, I was in the Chicago suburbs, and I remember sitting there in my office it was a smaller church building and people could find me real easily. This young woman, she's in her 20s, she comes in and tells me that she's about to get evicted and she's going to lose her lose her apartment and needs help with the rent and but she goes, "I'm not asking for cash. you, you can uh, here's the name of my landlord. you could wire the money directly to the landlord and it wasn't thousands like most chicago rent it was i don't know 400 or something whatever and uh, so she said the landlord i thought oh that sounds pretty legitimate so i called and oh yeah yeah i'm the landlord i know her so and so she just needs to make up a difference of so much to not get evicted and i thought all right this check seems to check out it seems legitimate so i wired the money to the landlord she was very gracious i sat down at my desk and i thought Oh, yeah, I'm being a good pastor now. I did my good deed for the day, right? Next year, Christmas Eve comes. I'm in the building early, finishing up my final, uh, doing my final sermon preparation, and um, in walks this young woman with a little girl who's about maybe three, I would guess, uh, and uh, comes in on Christmas Eve. Now, I remember being told, by the veteran pastors in the suburb. They said, if people show up on Sunday morning or on a holiday, then they're professionals because they know those are days you're more likely to feel guilty or be cornered, that you're less likely to say no on Christmas Eve or when all your parishioners are watching. Um, and uh, so and I thought, oh, you guys are being kind of jaded. you know. And, and uh, so she comes in, and I recognize her. I'm like, oh, this is the woman from the rent. And so she comes up, oh, I need cash, crisis, 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 need cash right now, cash, 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 crisis, crisis. And I looked at her, and I said, well, how did it go with the rent? Were you able to keep the apartment? And then I get, and the eyes are going back and forth. And she goes, oh, you must have met my twin. And I thought, oh, and I looked down at this poor little girl who was being trotted around as a prop on Christmas Eve, and I realized I'd been played. That guy was probably her boyfriend, and this was a scam, and they'd figured it out, and they were both in on it, and they probably each took a cut, and she'd been hitting up so many churches she couldn't even remember which ones she'd been at, and and. I was not, I did not react in the most kind and pastorally way. And I basically just told her to get out. I think I called her a liar and told her to get out. And then I felt really bad because her daughter was there watching the pastor yell at her mom. I didn't feel as good that day. I felt like an idiot. But what I did then later on, I went back and I was talking to uh, one of the women in my church, she was kind of a matriarch. She'd been at the church since it was founded in 68. And I normally thought of her as a very penny-pinching individual. Uh, and I was telling her this story, and she said, well, you know, Lars, sometimes if you're going to be, you know, help people out, you're going to be taken advantage of. That's just what happens. And I thought that was kind of wise advice coming from somebody who normally is pre- pretty tight with the cash. And she said, it's just what happens. She didn't say, Lars, that's why you've got to never give any money to anyone because you'll get taken advantage of. That's was just what it was. If you're going to help people out, there will be liars and there will be scammers. It is what it is. But it never occurred to her to tell me to just stop giving money to people then. And I realized that this is what comes with the territory if you really want to be a follower of God. If you really want to live with what the gospel says, what the Bible says, you will be so giving and, and you'll be so generous that some people will come and take advantage of that and they will get what they don't deserve. And if you're going to give to those in need, there's going to be some who get what, something and aren't really in as much need. And they're just using you and it's how it is. And some people will come and they will laugh at you and they will make fun of you for doing it. They will call you a a sucker and they will chuckle at you and they'll call you a chump. And they might even look down on you and give you less respect because they'll say you're not that smart or you wouldn't have gotten played. Or maybe they'll say you're just weak and you're not brave enough to stand up and cut them off from all things. So they'll learn their lesson. But that day I felt like a sucker. And it wasn't the last. But this is the story in essence of everybody in this world who's ever been generous in giving. That somewhere along the line someone's taken advantage of that. And that this story came to me as I was reading through our lesson for Isaiah today about the prophets. Isaiah 50. And here's a prophet. What is he doing? He gives up. They give up whatever job, prophets give up whatever job they're doing so they can go out and speak up for the people who are being locked up or locked out of the economic system. Let's take a look here. Isaiah 50, we'll start at verse 4, we'll read it again. The Lord God has given me the tongue of a teacher that I may know how to sustain the weary with a word. Morning by morning he wakens, wakens my ear, to listen as those who are taught. The Lord God has opened my ear and I was not rebellious. I did not turn backward. I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who pulled out the beard. I did not hide my face from insult and spitting. So the prophet here is talking about this is his call. He's talking about his call, his job. He says he was gifted in speech, but not just in like teaching but that he had an ability to bring hope and inspiration to those who were tired and weary and worn. he calls it a sustaining the weary with a word and the Lord God came to him and the Lord God told him to go out and get to work and use this gift that he has to sustain the weary and he said he didn't run from it he didn't run from God and it wasn't easy because in return for caring for the needy he gets spit on, he gets called names, he gets his beard pulled. I can't relate to that one. These are all things that are done to do what? To, to, to dishonor you, to disrespect you, to degrade you and ridicule you. They're all designed to take away your reputation and your dignity and your honor, and they're supposed to shut you up and scare the next person who might think of doing the same thing. But the prophet says at this point he didn't run and he didn't quit speaking. He didn't even try to avoid the people who were doing it to him. He's in a tough spot because the background to this is that the people of God had just come back to Jerusalem. They'd just come back. They'd been off in Babylon for 70 years. They'd been slaves in Babylon. Seventy years having to do what they were told, 70 years without dignity or honor or even a place in the class system being. So far down, they were out of it, almost not recognized as people. And the prophets had said, they had said that this exile was a punishment for the injustices that they did in the city of Jerusalem, for the economic system they had that hurt the poor, that locked them out of opportunity. And the prophets would talk endlessly before slavery about how it was how they were taking bribes about how they were weighing scales and cheating weights and consolidating the family farms and choking the peasants out of a livelihood and for that the prophet said that the people of God would be dragged away into exile and slavery and the hope was that that would have taught them a lesson and it sort of did but when they came back When they came back to Jerusalem, the prophet looks around and he sees they're all back up to their old tricks again. They're creating the haves and the have-nots. They're creating a society of owners and laborers, and judges are back on the take. And God tells the prophet, go back out and speak again. Well, it didn't go over well, as you might imagine. So let's see the next three verses. What happened when he spoke? Starting at verse 7. The Lord God helps me, therefore I have not been disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like flint, and I know that I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand together. Who are my adversaries? Let them confront me. It is the Lord God who helps me. Who will declare me guilty? After everything he went through, he doesn't feel disgraced. Think about that. They beat you, pull your hair, call your name, spit on you. But you're not disgraced. You're not embarrassed. You're not humiliated. You're not hiding in shame. Why? Because the Lord God helps me. Therefore, I am not disgraced. My reputation, my dignity, my worth, my standing do not come from the people who mock me, but they come from the Lord. They do not determine my dignity. They do not own it and it isn't theirs to take away. I get my dignity from the Lord God. And no matter what you do, you cannot take that away. No matter how many times you call me a sucker, it doesn't matter. No matter how many times you call me a loser and a chump, it doesn't matter. No matter how many times you tell me I'm making it worse by giving to people who don't deserve it, it doesn't matter. No matter what names you call me or things you throw at me, it doesn't matter. My dignity does not depend on your opinion. It comes from being a child of God. And my dignity and worth as a human being is not yours to take away. This is why I don't care if you call me a sucker for being too generous and too loving and too giving because I don't need you to think that I'm this... Shrewd, world savvy, cool guy who's just a little bit too sharp to be caught in one of those things. I don't care if that what you think about me. To be a Christian is to put yourself out there and to give and love so generously that you are taken advantage of and laughed at for it. Be a sucker for God might be a good motto. I'm not sure I'd put it on the sign. Because the alternative, the alternative is to be stingy and mean, to to not give anything to anyone to make so that you can be sure you don't get played. And that is not a fun life. So much suspicion and, and bitterness and callousness and looking always looking at everything everybody says and trying to see what is the angle they're trying to get on me. Man, what an unfun life. To never get played is to never help. You know, it's kind of like anything else you do where you give of yourself. You can always be burned, right? You can always be burned whenever you open up and share. You can always be burned. But to never open yourself up, to never give, is to never know love. So the only person who never gets played is the person who never gets love. So here we are in Palm Sunday, and I go back to these verses of the prophet Isaiah when he talks about how he stepped into Jerusalem, into the city that is falling back into the rut of the haves and the have-nots. And he has to speak to the power brokers, and he has to do it for people who may not even care about him. And they were ungrateful and unthankful. And at times they spit on him and called him names. And he gave everything for them, anyways. He was in many ways the greatest sucker for God. Until another one would come and give of himself. And empty himself for people who sometimes cared and sometimes didn't. He was the greatest sucker of all time. Showing the greatest love of all time. Amen.